Hey, Chaz, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking some more nog. And some rum. Mm. Leftover nog. Paul, what are you drinking? I'm still drinking uh, Johnny Walker. Nice. Black. Yeah. I'm going to miss it when it's gone. Another toast to the hitch. And it's tasty. And Jason? I'm drinking... Where the hell is this from? Stone... Belgio anise imperial Russian stout ale brewed with anise oak chips and Belgian yeast. Huh. Ten point five percent alcohol by volume. Belgian yeast. It tastes like licorice. It yeah, it tastes like beer with Jaeger in it. <laughs> Weird. And it's about as dark as Jaeger. Okay. That it's delicious. And Abby. Um, I'm drinking eggnog again. Oh. I don't know what else to put brandy in. We got a couple people that are re-nogging. Just drink the brandy. It's not New Year's yet. It's you can still drink eggnog. I'm not sure when it becomes unacceptable to drink eggnog. I guess when they, they stop, stop selling, selling it. Yet. Matthew, what are you drinking, bro? I'm nothing special tonight. I couldn't get to the liquor store, but I'm just finishing off a six pack of Miller. All right. Uh, I'm just gonna edit that to make it sound like you're having the whole six pack. <laughs> God damn, dude! A whole six pack? Well, it's only two it hours was... of Bible study. I'm drinking Old Style, which is authentically Krausend. You can look that up. K-R-A-E-U-S-E-N-E-D. Krausend. With any luck, I'll be fully Krausend by the end of the show. So let's burn through Timothy and the other Timothy. What you guys got? The first thing that I have is in 1-8. He makes a statement about the law being good as long as it's used lawfully. Uh, But what I thought was really interesting was that the law was not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious. Yes. And I'm not real sure what he's... You've read some of those laws. I mean, obviously they had people having sex with sheep and, you know, all sorts of nasty stuff. I mean, they had to make laws for that. Think about it. Okay, okay. So basically, fucking the sheep. Right. (laughs) So basically he's just saying that we only have these laws because of the wicked people? The first time that I read through it, I thought it was like... Because it says, like, the law is not made for a righteous person. I don't know. I guess I was reading it wrong. Well, I'm guessing, like, we we wouldn't need to have a law... It's like, we don't have a law against molesting cars because people don't do that. (laughs) You know? But back then, people's modes of transport were more um... shaggable. Well, I'm wondering, is he trying to, like, give an... Ex- is he saying, like, okay, you and me, we're the good people. We don't have to follow those laws. They weren't meant for us. They were meant for the people who don't know better. I kind of got, like, an elitist vibe from it. Right. That that was what my thought was. But I, I kind of see where Damien's going. I just didn't read it that way. Oh, I don't know how it's supposed to be read. I, I don't know what he's getting at. Because because Paul doesn't have a whole lot of use for the law anymore. For him, the law is just it's just there to teach you that you're sinful, so you can live under grace, as we saw in Romans. Mm. Yeah, Paul doesn't seem, although he was very zealous for the law before, allegedly before you know. When he was well, this isn't Paul, of course. Oh shit! Sorry, did we mention that? Did we talk about the authorship? Um. Oh wait, no. This is this well, we mentioned somebody that it who's was past. This is somebody who's trying to, to someone who's trying to write in the style of Paul. So my point stands, because they're trying to sound like Paul. 
is Pauline. They're trying to sound as Pauline as possible. What about in verse 20 when he hands people over to Satan? Oh, I missed that. Wait, I, I want to go back to the, the challenge to Pauline authorship. How how confident are you that, that the pastorals are not Pauline? And why? Is it is it a matter of style um, and vocabulary? Or, or... I think it... Well, first there's the the structural organization of the church that it describes, like the deacons and the bishops and kind of the top-down. Um, it's like a more developed okay. system. And then there's the style. I guess it's really Hellenistic. Don't ask me what that reads like. But, um, and they're just generally not similar to the, to the Pauline ones. Okay. There's some arguments from vocabulary and style, too, that are going to be hard to get into because we're dealing with a translation. Mm. Yeah, that stuff you're not going to notice. So basically, the scholarly consensus is that somebody who really liked Paul and wanted to be like Paul wrote this much later than the Pauline epistles. Yeah. Sure. Like, not in the 60s of, of the first century, but much later than that. Yes. I don't know the exact date. I don't, I don't think anyone does. Apparently it had to be before, <laughs> like, 130 or 140 or so. When you say like Paul or wanted to be like Paul, is the scholarly opinion that he was purposefully trying to forge these under Paul's name? Well, yeah, he starts that... out with, the first word of the, of the epistle is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he fakes, okay. he fakes a Pauline opening at the beginning of the epistle. So either he's Paul or he wants to be Paul really, really badly. Oh, what what I had thought, I don't know anything about the scholarly opinion, but what I had thought was that perhaps they had found the letters and then sort of like attributed them to Paul and threw in a little bit about, oh yeah, by the way, these are by Paul, okay, throw those on there, oh, kind so of thing, you, like when they were collecting the Bible. That is a, a very nice way to deal with the problem, because it makes him not a forger. Some, mm. some, it's like somebody wrote the general epistles and then some mm. scribe later on honestly mistook them for Pauline. And put in a little a notation, and the notation gets gets appended on at the beginning instead of a notation, and then you know people just assume that that scribe was right. That it really was a Pauline epistle. Is that what you're saying? Maybe not even maybe not even honestly mistook them, but just like okay, this is a good letter. Letter it needs to be a part of it. Uh, let's <laughs> let's denote it to Paul and carry on. Hmm. Because it, I, I mean, know. it could be part of the later tradition, like next generation of disciples who followed what Paul said and it just kind of became like they said they just ended up like ascribing it up to Paul I don't know they were Paul's the, name on it yeah and they thought they were carrying on his message so y'all he wouldn't mind we're doing what he said <laughs> okay his dad doesn't care but interestingly he's jumping the gun a little bit um the second letter to Timothy um, is a little bit more Pauline than the first one. So some think that it might incorporate actual Pauline writing, but we'll see. Hmm. Sorry, Paul, back to where we were. Where were we? Verse 20? You were about to tell us something. The end of... Oh, same. I think it was the end End of First Timothy 1 in verse 20, where uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander uh, are handed over to Satan. Nice. So they will be taught not to blaspheme. That'll show yeah. them. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of... Now, what do, you, what do you think that ceremony looked like? 
Like, how do you hand someone over to Satan? Do you do you have yeah. to actually draw a pentagram on the ground and invoke Satan to get him to show up? <laughs> maybe maybe he's saying he gave up on him. <laughs> he's maybe like, I don't know. Hey, Satan! Thanks for coming. I've got these two guys here, and they've been blaspheming. So if you could kindly take them to your place and torture them for a while, that would be great. I think it'd be fantastic to name a kid after like Hymenaeus because his name only shows up once in the whole Bible and he's being handed over to Satan. It'd be like a worse name than Damien if you could imagine that. It was probably just some poor guy who Plus your name starts with Hymen, which is fantastic. Hi, my name is Hymenaeus, but everyone calls me Buster. <laughs> Oh, Hymen is the god of marriage, in case you were wondering. Oh, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, oh. etymological sense, not like... Interesting. All right, so Second Tim- or First Timothy 2? Yeah, sure. 2.12, um, women cannot be teachers. I mean, obviously, because they're women. Yeah. yeah, in 9, they have to be adorned with proper clothing. Yeah, most churches ignore this part. No, no braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments. Wait, nobody, nobody told uh, Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, I was going to say Sarah Palin, but <laughs> if only she would learn in quietness and full submission. Well, I meant about the fancy clothes and the mm. golden pearls. Okay, I think yeah, I think we should read out this whole this whole thing. Okay, First Timothy two, eleven through fifteen. Um, I'll read it because I have the best mic. I mean, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't have. No, I don't have a Skype connection. All right. Uh, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But oh, women geez. will be saved. <laughs> but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. And that's, I'm sorry, that's the NIV, so I apologize for not using the proper King James there. But you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Mm-hmm. Mm. The Catholics like that last verse. About the, about the childbearing? Yeah, and the Mormons. I, I seem to think that the the Paul of the previous epistles would not like that last verse. That verse is one of the reasons why this uh, is thought not to be Pauline, isn't it? Because it goes against his earlier doctrine on women, right? Or maybe not so much on women, but definitely on childbearing. Because it seemed like before, you know, having family was a burden to, yeah, you fulfilling your acts in the church and your faith and everything. Yeah, it's now supposedly... it's like, oh yeah, by the way, that's how you get saved is by having children. Yeah, it's supposedly oh, the same yeah. the same guy that said, um, uh, if you don't want if you don't want to get married, well, don't get married. Maybe you shouldn't get married. It's better not to get married. <laughs> Unless you're a woman, then you gotta have a shitload of kids. Yeah, so that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. It's hard to it's hard to jive that with the earlier Pauline stuff. Well just just that by now they've realized that they need to keep populating their religion. So mm-hmm. they've they've changed a few rules. Gotta keep going. They gotta perpetuate the church because Jesus has not come back yet, as it turns out. Yeah, and and the author is just a misogynistic asshole. <laughs> That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at with this. Um, that's really why I, I thought we should focus on these verses for a second. Uh, because <laughs> you're like, man, what a, what a douche. Seriously. Like, 
Like, women, they didn't have much authority back then. They didn't have a whole lot of power. But what little power and authority they did have was derived from the fact that people loved to look at them. <laughs> and he's trying to take that away. What an asshole. <laughs> like, come on, all they have... All they have back then is that their eye candy status. People just love their beauty. <laughs> and he's horrible. trying to... I, yeah, I know, it's horrible, but that's all they had back then. And he's trying to take that away, too. The braided hair, the gold, the pearls, the costly garments, the symbols of beauty, uh, the few things that a misogynistic society will allow women to do. He's trying to take that, too. Now, see, now see when, I, when I went to church, we were taught that that is what the whores wore. <laughs> that was like... Pretty sure Roman citizens wore stuff like that. Yeah, everyone was trying to keep up with the Kardashians back then. <laughs> keep up with the uh, August the Julii. Yeah, the Augustinians, the whatever. Anyway, but uh, there's this argument here. It, it's obvious that women should submit and shut up because Adam was created first. I mean, <laughs> so it makes perfect sense. And then and then Eve was was you know deceived first. So, therefore, it follows women shut the hell up. It's not okay, Adam was deceived, too. Yeah. All Adam did was trust Eve. Adam was deceived by a woman, which... Who was like, naked. Well, yeah. And, and like, what man... Food. What man would not be deceived, like, by a naked woman? And there's only one naked woman in the world at this point. Of course he's going <laughs> to listen to her. Oh. And she wasn't deceived because the snake was telling the truth. That's, that's true. That's true in a way, because he said you'll have you'll have the knowledge of good and evil, and that's what they got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People tend to forget that God was the liar in the first couple chapters. <laughs> well, he did say you would surely die, which was you know sort of a long term warning. Eventually, eventually, eventually you'll die once you make enough sons and daughters for their incestuous unions to populate the human species. You will <laughs> die in eighty years. Well, eighty hundred. Yeah. Quite a, anyway, we, we're kind of flashing back to Genesis here, which is tempting to do because it was a more exciting book than this. All right, yes. More exciting than most of this testament. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I really enjoyed the Gospels, but the epistles have turned out to be a bit of a slog. <laughs> I missed the yeah, stories. Agreed. It's, it's, who knew that letters from preachers would be so fucking preachy? <laughs> <laughs> Especially letters from preachers to other preachers. I know. It's like they're trying to out-preach each other. Shit. But, yeah, I just wanted to highlight these verses. Do you guys have any other thoughts on it? Yeah, isn't there more in the second one? You know, there was a time when I was an evangelical. I hadn't really read the whole Bible yet. And uh, some a friend of mine in, high, in college pointed these verses out to me. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> say that. And he's like, no, yeah, it's in there. I'm like, no. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, shit. It really says that because you know somehow it didn't come up in church. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there were um, you know wives submit to your husbands. That stuff came up, but but the part about like quietly receiving instruction with entire submissiveness that never came up. And everybody wore braided hair and golden pearls to church. Like every this is a this is a mega church in Edmond. Everybody had gold and pearls and costly garments and braided hair. Possibly not braided hair if it wasn't in fashion, but everything else on that list was in abundance in church, and on the women mostly, occasionally on the men. So, I I, I guess that you don't preach First Timothy two nine to a crowd full a church 
full of women with braided hair, gold pearls, and costly garments. Because that would be awkward. That was preached from the pulpit at my church, but uh, it was written off as, oh, it's cultural. Yeah, when when do you get to play the cultural card? Can we play the cultural card about everything now? Like, yep. Oh, that, they hated fags back then. It's cultural. That's what, but my church did play the cultural card for everything they didn't like. But why can't we play the cultural card for everything? Like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, God hated fags back then, but it was cultural. Now he's all progressive. Exactly. He didn't hate him in the Gospels. No, it wasn't. Somehow it didn't come up. <laughs> Somehow Jesus just didn't think that was important. Not a big in issue. In Rome. Uh, odd, isn't Well, he didn't go to Rome. Well, in the Roman Empire. Anyway. Chapter 3. Mostly about slavery and uh, the hierarchy of the church. Deacons in their place. Uh, and over, overseers and so on. Well, isn't a deacon like a lay preacher or something? Is it, I, yeah, think it's, I, say, I think it's like a... a a person of good reputation in the church, like, you know, somebody who, who regularly attends, like, someone on the board of directors of the church, I guess, would be a way to, uh, okay. you know, not, not the CEO, but not, not <laughs> just the normal employee, somewhere in between. That's kind of how it was in ours, like, we had the elders were, like, the board of directors, and then you had the deacons under them that kind of oversaw little bits and pieces of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But apparently, I was going to say, there, there's a lot of uh, moral codes you have to follow to be a deacon per First Timothy, Timothy 3 about the not addicted to wine, uh, peaceful, <laughs> free of love of money. Yeah, you have to not be a drunk. You have to... So it's a pretty demanding list. I think it's the deacons that are, that are not given too much wine so they can drink. Right. This is, this is tricky. I'm actually going to go to the King James for this one. What, uh, and there's a reason for that. Because different translations have different words for what those those titles are. And this is the worst. Yeah, thing. good point. <laughs> and in the King James, it's bishop. Yeah, mm. that's elder or overseer, isn't it? Right. Mm. But there's a very different. Um, uh, how do I put this? There's a very different conception of you know we know what a bishop is because a bishop is part of uh, you know a hierarchy within the Catholic and Orthodox churches, but it's overseer in the NIV. And NASB. And have you ever heard of an overseer at a church? I haven't. Which which verse are we talking about? Uh, we at the beginning of chapter three. Our elders is the overseers. Where it doesn't say elder in here. It says overseer. Oh yeah. I don't know if you can find a translation that says elder. Mine says bishop in I verse two, and then it talks about deacons in verse eight. One thing that I thought, speaking of around verse eight and the deacons, about the men being husband to one wife. Just one it's at just... a time. Wait, no, it just one ever. <laughs> it says just one. Uh, is this like? I'm not sure that I ever recall reading a verse that said you can only have one wife. And this seems to imply only if you're going to be higher up in the church, you need to have one wife. Right, like, right. So you can have like lots of wives as long as you're not not, not, not aspiring to leadership. Yeah. You know what's odd is that, that they've changed that. I was going to say, there's really some good points in here uh, as far as, you know, being, what do they say, above reproach so that, you know, obviously if you're a deacon, then you are going to be the one under the most scrutiny as the leader of the church. And so they're just kind of trying to keep out the keep out the noobs so that they don't riff show raff. off, you know. <laughs> yeah, the riffraff. I, I, guess, 
I guess my dad can't be a deacon since uh, he did not rule his child in his house well. <laughs> my dad couldn't be an elder because he's had multiple wives. I mean, not, not at the same time. But my wife was my wife. Oh, it's not Mormon. My mom was his was his third wife, so he couldn't be an elder. Well, my dad, my dad was a deacon and an elder. You only ever had the one wife. Mm. Yeah. If I was ever born again again, I would still be qualified to be a, a deacon or an elder or an overseer because you know just the one wife. And there's nothing in here that says you can't run an atheist podcast and be disqualified for that. <laughs> All right. So First Timothy three. Did you guys? Did we talk about the mystery of godliness? No. Because that's kind of mystery. Next to cleanliness. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about what that. What about loneliness? The loneliness. Yep. Oh, loneliness. All right. So tell us about the mystery of godliness. I have nothing to say about that. Oh, oh. where is it? It's at the Good end of know. chapter three. It's great, indeed. It's the mystery of godliness. And then there's a poem at the end, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? I don't know. <laughs> I, bet it, I bet it makes sense in Greek. Oh, hey, here's why there are churches of the living God. Hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. That's why every now and then, rarely, we'll pass a church that calls itself that. Church of the living God, and I'm always so confused. I don't, I don't get it. Why? Are you implying that the other ones are churches of dead gods? Yeah. What? I don't get it. Yes. It should, it should say, a pillar and buttress of truth at the bottom of the sign. <laughs> yes. I just like having the word buttress in there. Flying buttresses. Or it could say, we've got buttresses and pillars. There's nothing at all erotic about that. The King James says, pillar and ground of truth. Ground? That's no fun. Yeah. That was the first time King James has failed to... Uh, yeah, King James is usually the most erotic translation. Dirtier. Yeah. <laughs> King James always makes stuff sound dirtier. What the hell? Don't fail me now, King James. Four... Yes, four. First Timothy four. I got none. I got nothing. Some will depart from the faith. Hey, that's us. That's us in there. <laughs> I liked the last bit of verse ten, where it, he says that we fixed our hope upon the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Oh, you mean we can be saved anyway? He only sort of saves other men, even <laughs> though we've devoted ourselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. As per verse 1 of this chapter. The phrase old wives fables appears in verse 7. Back to verse 10. How are you more or less a savior? Like, aren't you just a savior? You can't be more savior or less savior. Whoa. You're a little bit pregnant. There's an unnecessary you and my savior in this book. I've got to change versions. Which one are you in, Chaz? NIV. Well, it says, who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Just what he said. But it's like, how are you especially a savior? Well, maybe it's like, we're all going to fall into lava, right? A bunch of people are going to fall into lava, and then, (laughs) like, he saves them all by not making them fall into lava, but some of them end up in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Or some of them get their their fingers burned off before he saves them. Yeah, yes. (laughs) That is definitely less of salvation, to lose your fingers. I love using my fingers on stuff. He saves you, but you're like a paraplegic or something. Right. Now you've gone dark, man. I was having fun with this before. <laughs> you should burn your fingers off. You're still alive. You just can't walk. God damn it. You're alive forever. I mean, you can't walk. I, I want to focus on the apostasy verses at the beginning of verse of chapter 4. Because, like, that's us. Mm. Apparently, we are forbidding marriage. 
and advocating veganism. That's Paul. <laughs> Oops. So vegetarians are good Christian or are terrible Christians? Well, I'm just saying that there's a lot of a lot of atheists are like hardcore polyamorous uh, advocates for polyamory, uh, and I, I'm not sure if that's quite the same thing as forbidding marriage, but it's right up there. Hardcore poly uh, vegans. Yeah, and the polyamorous vegans have got to be the worst. Oh, man. <laughs> they're screwed. I'm so glad I'm only a vegetarian. Yeah, you could be so much worse. I'm so glad I ate four chickens worth of chicken legs tonight. So Timothy 5, we talk about honoring widows. And slaves. And slaves. And how slaves should act. Not not honoring them, but... Wasn't it... That you have slaves. Right. Is this the part where um, they say slaves, you are suffering and you won't suffer in the afterlife because you've paid your your dues or, or whatever? Is, this, this, is it so. in Timothy or is that in... A later book. Might be in Peter. I think that's Never mind. Late, but I could be wrong. Sorry, how do they honor the widows? They're talking about social security reform. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say they, they take care of them yeah. and everything. So so long as they're they're not less than sixty years and yeah. they've been the life of one man. Which is interesting. What was the average lifespan then? I mean I, I know if this probably seven I thought it was like forty. But... <laughs> Is that kind of like saying Social Security cut off to like eighty today? Yeah, <laughs> probably. We'll help you. If, fuck if you live that long. I mean, the common people, I guess, it would have been forty or fifty. I mean, that's yeah, where that, that's, half the people would die. 50, I was thinking like fifty, sixty, if you're really lucky. It's probably between fifty and sixty, but that only means that half of them are dead. So they could help half the half the women who become widows. You know. But if you're you're a widow, you're probably I don't know, you're probably younger than sixty by right. quite a few years, and then who knows if you can last that long? Unless your husband died in war or something. Right. So then you're struggling for twenty something years. The according to the table on Wikipedia, medieval Britain was somewhere. Is it at birth was the life expectancy of thirty? Uh, oh wow. wow! Yeah, it doesn't get. So, I mean, so this is the Paul Ryan plan, <laughs> right? You can, get, exactly. you can get Medicare when you reach sixty. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. maybe in a drier, warmer climate of Palestine, it was a little bit longer. This, yeah, I guess that would go into yeah. And their weather, like the weather, is completely different and awful. Like the sewage would just sit there and fester and spread okay. disease. But in, like dry desert climates, it would dry out, and you'd be okay. And classical Greece is at twenty-eight, and I mean, so oh, wow. yeah, I don't know. Wow, I think well, I know. Then, that's what I'm saying. Like sixty years is really old for that time. Like yeah, really old. A, the majority of people are poor. The people you hear about are the ones that were wealthy and lived a long time. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's the elites like lived a long. I don't know. Women live longer than men. You know, maybe they'll end up with with a few years. They'll they'll end up yeah. with a few years there at the end of of. Actually, being helped. What's the word that I'm looking for? Yeah, honored. Just tell people verse to drink 23. wine in verse twenty three. Yes. Oh, I was say, yeah. I verse twenty three. Stop drinking nothing but water. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because the water yeah. was shit. Yeah, I've I've oh, heard yeah. that that argument before that most people drink wine or beer or because the water was so bad that 
you needed an alcoholic content to help. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely well, yeah. heard that. But that's like it was longer. You didn't need alcohol to do that. All you needed was fruit juice. The, the, the trick to getting the water pure is to having it squeezed out of uh, something that grew on the vine as opposed to just drinking it out of the shitty river that everyone bathes and shits in. So, like, you don't need wine. All you need is grape juice. That would do it. Reverse os grapes Or lead. It's <laughs> <laughs> lead cup. That'll kill everything. But I, but I, I like, I like where they're going with this. Drink more wine. It helps your stomach. If this is what they wrote when they were drinking wine, I don't want to read this over stuff. Okay, Timothy six nine. Those who want to yeah. get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. There you go. That's a Republican national platform. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and before that. <laughs> Hey now, let's let's not be let's not be political or wait, no, okay. let's not be partisan. We hashtag it hashtag it uh, versus the GOP doesn't quote maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I saw, I saw somebody online taking all the the uh, the instances of rich in the New Testament and replacing them with job creators. <laughs> Woe unto you who are job creators. For you have already received your comfort. But those who want to get job creators fall into temptation. No, those who want to become job creators fall into temptation and a snare. <laughs> the beginning of 6, they, they do talk about slavery. Um, how sla- those who wear the yoke of slavery need to respect their masters. Which brings our grand total to something like seven for slavery and two for homosexuality. <laughs> slavery is being the shit out of homosexuality. <laughs> Way more that's, than that's seven. Not, that's not verse counting. That is just overall topic mention. I think if we did verse counting, it would be even worse. But I'm, yeah, I'm think, trying to be mm-hmm. fair. And pro-slavery is beating the crap out of anti-homosexuality, by the way. <laughs> yeah. just, just so we're clear on where the Bible stands on these issues. Don't hate your like master as long as you love Jesus. Yeah, well, it mentions, like, if if your master is Christian, you still have to respect them and be their loyal slave, even though you're equals with Christ. You're still still the slave. Don't don't forget that, you know, you're still, like, earthly slaves. (laughs) You you get get all the good stuff when you go to heaven, but you gotta gotta go through a bunch of shit right now. It's sort of like how you you can be brothers in Christ with your boss at church, but then back on Monday, like, he's your boss again. Hmm. It's just like that. And I'm thinking of my boss, actually, who is like a super Christian dude. It's sort of like so how Christian. you can hate the rich and everything in church, and then once you're back outside of church, <laughs> they become job creators. Yeah. Did anyone... There's... Uh, Damien, you mentioned earlier the vague... What sort of I'm looking for? Description of avoiding the false teachings and all that. And there's a little bit of that in 3 and 4-ish... But it, it's really, really vague. Like, there's not really any explanation as to what they're talking about. It's mostly just if anyone advocates a different doctrine that doesn't agree with sound words, those of our Jesus Christ. Call him a, call him a pompous ignoramus. Right, because that's what my Bible says. Never, never judge. Don't judge your Christian brothers unless you're writing an epistle. Both <laughs> <laughs> well, God tells uh, you you can't. Wait, what verse are you in, Abby? It's, what um, what, what verse, verse is that? Four. I really like my translations. It's, He's morbidly keen on mere verbal questions and quibbles. <laare you are you, are you in uh, New American Standard? No, she's not. No, I'm I in am. my 
idiosyncratic New English Bible. I what I have in 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 First Timothy six four is actually a description of uh, a, a fellow who goes by Rology on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> he is conceited and understands nothing. He has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language. In evil suspicions and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. <laughs> so it's like to the internet. Basically. Seriously, yeah. basically, it's a prophecy about the internet. <laughs> and there's the anti-capitalist verse ten: "For the love of money is the root of all evil." Oh, that's well. not what it says. Verse okay. ten: "For the love of money is the root of all evil." That's what the King James says. All sorts of okay. The King James is correct because it's the only inspired English translation. <laughs> but, that's not what, but that's not what the Greek is trying to say. My translation is the love of money is the root of all evil things. No, it's all sorts of evil. Mine says all sorts of evil. I'm going to go with the NASB on this one. I usually go with the NASB. But... Well, is the NASB a, a considerably better translation? Generally, yeah. Okay, you want to blue letter this? We can blue letter it. Biatch. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm well aware that the King James is one of the shittiest translations. I, I was being serious. I... Pretty sure the American Standard and English Standard are the better, much, much better. Uh, hey, verse 13 actually mentions Pontius Pilate. Okay, so if you go to the Greek, the key word is, is Strong's G3956, which can, mean, which can mean either all or every, or it could mean some of all types. It's a bit iffy. It's, not, it's rarely used in the, in the second sense, so... Good thing this is all made up and none of it matters. <laughs> Good thing we're still reading it. We're almost done. This thing that it doesn't mean anything. All we need to do is listen to Lou Gossett read the last book to us. It'll be fantastic. I'm just kidding. Are you guys ready right. to do Second Timothy? I was gonna yeah. say, let's do it. Second Timothy. I don't care about cha- uh, oh wait 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 two, one or two, but I'm I like chapter three. Wait, 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 I was gonna say something too. This is the wait. only other book that's. This is the only letter that mentions Pontius Pilate. Oh, that is interesting. Really? Yeah, I just Bible I just Bible gateway it to make sure. It's almost as if this is a very late letter and is aware of the Gospels. It's <laughs> the only thing outside the Gospels and Acts that actually mentions Pilate. Wow, that's really interesting. Oh, but we're still in First Timothy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, I was I wanted to say something about verse sixteen. I thought we gone ahead. Um, it says no man has ever seen. Him or can ever see him? Talking about Jesus, which isn't true because I mean, didn't Pontius Pilate see him? That's a bit confusing. He wasn't invisible. Maybe he's maybe he's talking about post resurrection. Maybe it's like now that he's resurrected, he's like he lives in unapproachable light. So he's like Gandalf the White, but like super super white, like so bright <laughs> you can't look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf the White has showed up a lot, a lot in these podcasts, oddly enough. Yeah. <laughs> it must be that Tolkien did that on purpose. Oh, wait, wait. C.S. Lewis is all Tolkien's fault. Well, they were friends, but is it really all his fault? I thought Tolkien converted Lewis. Wait, vice versa? Helped. Really? Is it the other? Tolkien I don't remember. Was... You guys. Tolkien are... wasn't especially. Guys, <laughs> we haven't even made it through Timothy. Okay, okay. Anyway, okay, Second, Second Timothy. Timothy. We'll Timothy. Later. Well, in Second Timothy. One and two don't matter to me. Just like they never matter. But <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. You're claiming, you're claiming to be Paul. You're giving thanks. You're like saying how great the gospel is. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. But a little but, poem. 
but the name the name Onesiphorus uh, shows up for the first and only time in the Bible, and that's just cool. I'm making a list of names that I want to run by your sister in case we ever have a child again. <laughs> yeah, if you just bring up names, you know we're going to get slashed down. So that Yeah, I bring up names like, that I know. She, she can only deny you a few, and so you just throw out these old ones. <laughs> yeah, I thought, like, well, what do you about. think about Onesiphorus? She's like, no way. I'm like, come on, it's in the Bible. What about Priscilla? <laughs> oh, great. What about Aquila? You don't like Aquila? Some Oni. Yeah, and that last book is that guy that was handed over to Satan, which is like totally badass name. Mm-hmm. Well, I said something in two eighteen. If anything has anyone anything earlier, go for it. Okay. Well, this is an example. He's talking about one of the um, heterodoxies. There's people claiming that the resurrection. Re- there's people claiming that the resurrection has already taken place. So what's that mean? Jesus is already. I thought the resurrection had al- already taken place. No, they're talking about the general resurrection. Oh. Our- oh. Is that sort of with the Latter-day Saints siege that it's already happened? And I like I like verse seventeen it says their teaching will spread like gangrene. <laughs> really hates these teachers. It's it's a I think a good analogy for any religion or religious sect or new religious doctrine. It spreads like gangrene. Yeah. Oh, it's hypnosis again. It spreads like a virus, like the God virus. Sorry, I'm not gonna. Sorry, Daryl Ray, I did not mean to invoke the title of your terrible book. <laughs> Speaking of polyamorous perverts. I'm oh, sorry, go, moving on. Moving on. And then he mentions um, Hymenaeus again. I know, right? But not with the different one with Philodes. Yep. So we have Hymens and Philodes. Both good, good boy names, as far as I'm concerned. What did you have in three, Shaz? Oh, well, it's the. Um... It's a prognostication of uh, the end of the world. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, <laughs> disobedient to their parents, so on and so on. But it's what they always say, and like, look at the, it's obvious, can't you tell? Look at the times. It's so f***ing awful. <laughs> and this is what the Bible says it's going to be when the end comes. I mean, it's plain as can be. Because people have never done this before. Yeah. It's not Never. like people have always been lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, great, ungrateful and unholy, slanderous, without self-control. It's not like that's a constant theme in human <laughs> nature every single generation. Oh, wait. <laughs> the world never stopped until now. Yeah. We can analyze these things and actually look at how much people are giving. You know, We can, we can look at uh, the fact that people care about the distribution of, of wealth. People shouldn't didn't feel like there was any power to do those types of things. They just were. They had to do what the uh, elitists said they had to do. Today is way better than ever before. We can actually analyze these things. We can analyze <laughs> peace, you know, violence. And yet they always say, well, no, see, obviously, people are decadent and immoral. I remember being told that by this high school kid. He's What's like, the world okay. coming to? Yeah, right. Like, What's the world my coming mom to had- now? My mom is always bemoaning how oh everything's going to hell. The, the new some new oh god it oh I wanna <laughs> everything's been going to hell for so long now. Everything's been going to hell for so many yeah. generations, and yet somehow <laughs> things are getting better. I'm really sick of my dad talking about how everything's going to hell because it's like God damn it, you have grandchildren. Can't you <laughs> be optimistic on their behalf? You keep packing packing away your MREs and your filtered water for the end of the world. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Grandchildren. 
Have a little optimism. I was just thinking that we're so close to um, the Winter Solstice of 2012. I can't wait till the next prophecy of the, the end of the world. Who will be the so next Harold Camping? People can use as an excuse to hoard water and food. I think Harold Camping has has had his day. We need to have yeah. some new prophet like really take seriously the end of the world in 2012. Not Harold Camping, but someone else. Um, Mayans. We need another. Uh, no, I don't think there are any Mayans left, right? Yeah, there's some. <laughs> they all think it's hilarious. Yeah. There's some very attractive Mexicans that are kind of partly Mayan, but there are some Mayans that find it hilarious and they're just making money off of it, <laughs> which is exactly what they should do. Damn straight. There's nothing to do with gullibility. You can't fix gullibility. You just got to make money <laughs> off of it. How about how about second three sixteen. <laughs> Fine, keep us on topic, whatever. It'd be fun to make a list of Bible names that are, like, anti-Bible names in the Bible. Like, <laughs> the names of people who rebelled against the main characters in the Bible. Like, basically, Bible names that you can use just to piss off your grandparents. <laughs> if we ever get to John, we could call them the Antichrist names. Oh, yeah, those are those are some good ones. But I was thinking of, like, Jonas Spoiler. and Jambres, and there's a lot of Antichrist in the book of John, or the epistles of John, rather. In the epistles of John, he just kind of has this broad brush that he paints antichrist them on. Apparently antichrist is a much broader category than I thought. It's not just like one dude. It's like everybody who denies Jesus. Well, we'll get there. Maybe not this week. One day. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, 16. <laughs> All scripture is inspired by God. There it is. Oh you my can't God. argue with that. It's in the <gasps> All scripture is God-breathed. It, oh, that's perfect. Now we know. Gospel of Judas? Does it include the... Yeah, it must include the book of... And Even though it's not in the Bible? Well, it's scripture. Come on. That's how you know it's right, because it says in the book that it's right. So it must be right. And it's a book. And it's a book. <laughs> have you, have you but the book that? says that it's right. It's right in the book. You hear that Tim mentioned song in the good book? That's what I just quoted. I wasn't into it, though. <laughs> okay. Second Timothy 4, verse right. 3. Uh, I've got to say something about 316. 2 Timothy 316. Clearly not referring to the letter that he was writing. The verse, 2 mm. Timothy 3.16, is not self-referential. It's not saying, oh, by the way, this letter is also scripture. He's talking about the Hebrew scriptures and possibly mm -hmm. some of the Christian canon, but only the early stuff and probably not any of it. Because the yeah. word scripture, at the time of the writing of this gospel, excuse me, God, at the time of the writing of this epistle, scripture was the Hebrew canon plus the Apocrypha, the Maccabees and all that, that's what Hebrew scripture was. That's what they meant by the word scripture back then. The gospels mm -hmm. weren't even in there yet. There was no New Testament canon at this point. Oh. He can only be talking about Hebrew scripture. True, true. But later on, I think maybe Jude, I'm not sure where, but we will see Paul yeah. Jude, referred to as scripture. Yes, and Jude invokes Enoch, I believe, or, or something similarly apocryphal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but, but my mm. point is that the word scripture refers to a canon which had not – it refers to the Old Testament canon because it cannot possibly be referring to the New Testament canon except possibly prophetically because it didn't exist yet when this was written. <laughs> yeah. So to believe yeah, – like – Sorry. It's just I, – I just had to point that out because it's, it's kind of weird to invoke that uh, in – you know, to say that the NT – the New Testament is scripture because it wasn't. Yeah. At this point in time. Well, I don't think it's weird because, I mean, when these people wrote this, even though, I mean, some of these were, they were forgeries, but they weren't writing, they weren't like trying to get a spot in the Bible. They didn't, in the New Testament, they didn't know that these, a bunch of letters would be thrown together and labeled scripture. They were just writing shit. And like, it ended up in here. That's true. 
they were mm-hmm. writing to encourage people in the faith, it didn't occur to them that they would be canonized later on. Yeah. Nobody I think it goes that. for, like, most things in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Every It, like, glazes over, and then someone writes a new layer, and it gets, like, it's like decoupage. Yeah. All right, all I have left in Timothy is 4-3 about wanting to have their ears tickled because it made me chuckle. But... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? You never had something tickle your ears? Oh, okay. That's what, what version are what translation are you in, Paul? <laughs> the NASB. Okay, that's fine. Mine is the same. That's adorable. <laughs> but yeah, and then there we have the for I'm being poured out, the time of my departures come, blah blah blah. Some concerns. There's another mention of the household of Onesiphorus, uh, which is a great name, Jazz. In case you're yeah, you can call him Ani for short. Tropimus. Yeah, I like, I like Trophimus as well. Is this one of the books they used to um, say that Luke was a companion of Paul, and that's why part of Acts is in first person? Where do you get Where are you getting that from? Verse eleven it says, "Only Luke is with me." Okay, so First Timothy four eleven. Pick up Mark and bring. And it mentions Titus in verse ten. For he is useful to me for service. Oh, that sounds a bit kinky. Uh, King James says, "For he is profitable to me for the ministry." Oh, that sounds less kinky. What's with the King James? It's disappointing me twice tonight. So it's more Catholic priest rapey than anything. <laughs> it's a euphemism. It's profitable for the ministry. And then he talks about the clothes he left. The last, <laughs> like, 15 verses in this are so random. <laughs> hey, I've been speaking... I just Googled it, and the first hit is, What did Alexander the Coppersmith do to Paul? <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Was such an asshole. Did he, like, pull out before Climax or something? What did he do? I was going to say he contracted him to make him a copper cock ring, but it was too big? I don't know. <laughs> I assume that copper small. cock rings were involved. I mean, I just assume that. <laughs> just because it sounds cool. He made, he made a cock ring that was either way too big or way too small. Either way, it was insulting. That was the thorn in the flesh. <laughs> oh, you get a copper cock ring stuck? Oh, <laughs> that would be a thorn in the flesh. Wow, okay, so, should we go to Titus? <laughs> no, wait. Titus? I just, I just want to say, that the alleged copper cock ring is at, is at 2 Timothy 4.14. That is, that is where Alexander will be repaid. He'll be repaid according to his deeds. One thing that I just looked up that I remembered from my um, quote-unquote New Testament archaeology class was uh, verse 20. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, verse 20. Uh, I'm trying to f- talk here. <laughs> you said archaeology. Welcome to the weekly inebriated scriptural exegesis and source study. Joining us is our resident New hey. Testament archaeologist, Jason. <laughs> Oh, that's the intro. That's it. You win. Oh, shit. Anyway. (laughs) I remembered something from uh, verse 20 mentions Erastus uh, from Corinth. And they actually found a rock in the city of Corinth that has the name Erastus on it. Ah. So after 15 minutes of drunken laughter, (laughs) that's all I had to say. That wasn't worth it, man. That was a long walk to nothing. (laughs) Well, no, it's 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 a piece of I guess 
evidence they used mm. to say that, oh, look, look, this guy's name is mentioned on something in the city that's in the Bible. Uh, can I mention that there's a guy named Linus in this, like in verse 21? That's kind of cool, because Linus is the name of Linus Torvalds and the first pope, but more importantly, oh, Linus Torvalds. The guy from Lost. I could give a shit about Lost. Okay, next next epistle. Finally. I'm having a lot of fun not taking this seriously. The last of the pastoral epistles. Is that right? Did anyone else get the feeling that Titus was somewhat... There was some anti, anti-Semitism in there somewhere? Androgynous. Where does that come from? Titus in the Shakespeare <laughs> Titus Andronicus. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. Where is he in Isomenic? Verse 10, especially those of the circumcision. I just kind of thought that that referred to the uh, Judeo tradition. Wait, what's 10 say? Beware of those, especially of the circumcision. Oh, mine just translated as a Jewish convert. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it said beware many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially. So it is referring to those of Jewish descent. It's working really hard to, like, I'm sorry, Abby, your translation is working really hard to avoid the idiom. It's just telling you what it thinks it should mean. Yeah. Which explains why you have the New English Bible as your uh, personal icon, your photo. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been comparing (laughs) translations recently and, I like this one because it reads well, but it definitely plays fast and loose with the um, with the being direct translation. Oh, 14, um, Jewish myths and says the commandments are merely human origin. What? You can't say that in the Bible. <laughs> Canon Titus. Jewish myths and commandments of men? You can't do that. They must mean the Apocrypha. It says bad things about the Cretes, too. Well, we all know that Cretans are liars, evil it's, beasts, and lazy gluttons. not like Crete. <laughs> Cretans are basically like Chicagoans. I mean, when it comes down to it. Man, fuck that island. It's got a large machine. Mm. I'm trying to think of who we have that like stereotype about now. Canada. I was going to say Puerto Rico, but... <laughs> no, Nobody cares about Puerto pay taxes. Rico. Puerto Ricans are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Like, yeah. Whatever. Some Puerto Rican dude did it. <laughs> there was some Puerto Rican dude. It wasn't me. Cretans and Cretans and Ricans, man. It's okay. According to verse eight of this uh, this chapter, bishops need to be a lover of good men. <laughs> well, thank you, King James Bible. That is. See, now I've got to switch to the King James to get that. It's it has redeemed itself for not being dirty. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, mm. sober, just, holy, and temperate. That's some good King James right there. I like striker as a as you know as a term to describe somebody who gets in fights in pubs. He's the guy that kicks them all on the ground. My translation uses pugnacious, but I like striker a lot better. I like not given to filthy lucre. Filthy lucre is fantastic. We really need to bring that phrase back. It is right up there with strange women. Yes. 
filthy lucre is, you know, when you it's sort of things that you cannot buy on credit. You know, like you can go to a restaurant and use your credit card, but you can't go to a prostitute or a heroin dealer and use your credit card. The only thing you can use with a prostitute or a heroin dealer is filthy lucre. That is to say, cold hard cash. Every single one of which says, in God we trust, ironically enough. And all I know is Cretans are always liars and evil beasts. Slow bellies. Not really sure what the hell that means. It means they're gluttons. They're lazy gluttons. There's a lot of, like... We don't need Cretan listeners. A lot of hate on Crete here, man. Shit. Yeah. Which is it's weird because like he's... Like, and he left, he left the guy he's writing this to in Crete in verse 5. <laughs> so Paul, or pseudo-Paul, is like, Hey, dude, I know you're in Crete, so watch your back, yo. Because these guys, they are terrible. Welcome to Australia. Every animal <laughs> in this continent can kill you. They are going to lie to you, and then they're going to eat you slowly. Because they're lazy <laughs> gluttons. It, it's a lot like Australia. They'll kill you, just like everything on that continent. Maybe he was like, thank you for taking your missionary position in Crete. By the way, here's your, here's your handbook to how to deal with Cretans. Don't, don't say things like that when I'm taking a sip of beer. <laughs> Enjoy your missionary position in Crete. Try not to get f- <laughs> Now that needs to be a shirt. <laughs> Send it to Threadless. So Titus Qualifications of elders, salutations, blah, 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 blah. Titus 2, what do we have? Stuff about, more about stuff that you're supposed to be doing in the church, especially regarding if you're older, be it a man or a woman. Don't be an old So on and so forth. So this is all, (laughs) this is all still the, the, I mean, the sort of stuff we saw in, in the last pastoral epistle, which is, mostly like setting up the church like this is your roles as far as being an older man uh in the church or being a a widow or what have you and then titus 3 basically runs in let's talk about titus 3 i have more in titus 3 than i do one and two i don't have very much but well three begins there's another um another thing about staying submissive to the government in authority yes which we've seen before they're very much Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Or maybe, like, none of this matters, so just do what they say. Right. It's really kind of good advice from a standpoint of looking at trying to run a social movement. You know, like, Mm -hmm. on on the one hand, do you want to set yourself apart from the other (laughs) social groups? Differentiate. Thanks. Uh, On on the other hand, you don't want to jump out too much to where the government's going to come after you. Uh, especially if you're trying to hold yourself yeah. up as you know this righteous, godly type of uh, social group. So, in three nine, I thought first immediately preceding that we get the whole thing that about this obviously being a trust trustworthy statements and blah blah blah. But in verse nine, he says to avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife. And um, I was interested about. Like what? Some of your other translations, I didn't get a chance to look it up. But what what he's saying there about genealogies? Why the Mormon Church <laughs> has, has such an obsession with genealogies? But it doesn't contradict the Bible, even though right here in verse nine it says avoid foolish controversies mm-hmm. and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. They're unprofitable and worthless. Yeah, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? One Timothy four says a very similar thing about genealogies. Are they maybe talking about Inter- like? 
their own personal genealogies, maybe? Well, I was going to say maybe the genealogies, because we can assume that maybe at the time that this was written, they had access to the Gospels. And maybe they're talking about the like the oddities and the gospel. Like, don't concern yourself with the genealogies of Christ. They don't matter. Obviously, he was born don't of match. a virgin. He's a savior. Yeah, stop fighting over uh, the beginning of Matthew and uh, chapter 3 of Luke. Just just stop it. They, they realized way back then that they didn't make any sense. <laughs> it's kind of obvious, really. When was, uh, when was Titus written? Well, what I was wondering is the fact that... Um, he says to be obedient as if this was during the reign of Nero when he was killing lots of people that were Christians and Jews. It was to be like, hey, keep it down so we don't all get executed. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's later. It's thought to be later because it's one of the pastoral ones. Pastoral ones. Oh, yeah, that's why I was wondering if I don't it was know how they... Nero and those emperors. Huh, apparently those who consider it to be authentically... Pauline dated at around 66 or 67. Yeah, but and those, yeah, they're wrong. Those who, are opposed, those, who, those who are opposed <laughs> to the Pauline authenticity uh, date it anywhere from the 80s all the way up to the 2nd century. Uh, Anyways, Titus. So what else do we have in Titus? Um, like verse 10, the, the one strike rule. Which chapter? Oh. 3.10. Which, heretic which chapter? One. 310. Oh, wait, no, it's a two-strike rule. A heretic should be warned once and once again after that. Okay, Titus 3. Is it a heretic or a... Heretic with a K. Man, King James English is weird. I'm almost sure it's... It's 400 years old. Abby, we're in in chapter 3, verse 10, right? So who is this proverbial factious man? Or or heretic? What, What is this guy doing? Is he a pervert? Um, is he a chicken f***er? What is he doing? Heretic. Heretic. Whatever's He's perverted not. and sinful, but, but, you know, what's he up to? I don't know. When I hear perverted, I think chicken f***er, because that's just, I've been trained by South Park. <laughs> is that even possible? That sounds terrible. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy and it's not fun. <laughs> you got to have a small pecker and a big chicken. <laughs> and quick hands. God, then verse 13 talks about Xena and... Zena, the lawyer. They spell it wrong. No, it's many Zenas. It's like a whole bunch of Zenas. <laughs> okay. So we need to finish the book of Titus tonight. We can probably get through Philemon. <laughs> wow. It's only it's one chapter. chapter. Let's do this. Let's go. I'm done with Titus. Yay! I'm fucking done with Titus. I'm fucking done with epistles, man. I want to move on to Revelation. That thing's fucking trippy. Anyways, Philemon. Shit. It's only what? one chapter. So Philemon, late, yay, slavery. Okay. Yeah. Woo. It was used on both sides, wasn't it? Probably. In the Civil War. How would the, how would the North use I mean, it? I don't know, I just remember or hearing I mean, that. For some reason, oh, each, each side of the movement claimed it as their own, as so often happens with the Bible. Oh, I can do that. It'd be very yeah, easy after... to, like, stop and think, because he tells Onesimus to go back. Go yeah, when I first read it, I was... I was like, okay, this has to have been cited by some anti-abolitionist or a supporter of the Fugitive Slave Act. Um, and it was. Should we say the basics? Like, this is a Pauline letter, and it's really short, and it's about a slave. Is yeah. it generally accepted that it's Pauline? Like, is that the scholarly so. position? 
Okay. And then, yeah, and it's it's a more intimate uh, of of the Pauline letters, in as much as that it's not so formal. This is to a church. This is about one guy, pretty much, right? Mm. Paul is a dick. Onesimus. He's a law-abiding one. Onesimus is that Greek? Onesimus. I, I don't know. I guess it could be a Greek I don't know my translation Greek. of a Hebrew name. Oh so no, what's, it's not what's a Hebrew the, name. <laughs> what's the basic story here? Um, yeah, he ran away, and he's Paul saying like, "Welcome him. You should welcome him back." But okay. are they? Does are they he, send out a search party? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much Paul saying, <laughs> Onesimus ran away, Paul says go back, and then telling Philemon, don't kill him. Okay, so Onesimus ran to Paul? Maybe? He's, he's running know. to them. Right, and then Paul is like, no, no, you need to go back, and then, okay, I see how it works. Yeah, he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon, and this is like the letter that he pinned to his shirt. Here's your slave back. <laughs> but if he owes anything, happy Christmas. If the slave owes anything, then Paul will pay it. Okay, okay. So this is this being in the Bible. No, I think this is kind. Of, I don't know why it's in. The... Oh, that's a really good point. Like, just in case slavery became a big issue in a Christian country like America, <laughs> they would know what the right answer is. <laughs> it's what the South. It's what the North agreed to with the South. We'll return the slaves to you. Well, yeah, that was that was the Fugitive Slave Act, wasn't it, in, in a nutshell? Yeah, I was saying, when I read this, the first thing I thought was, okay, someone cited this to justify the Fugitive Slave Act. And sure enough, someone did. <laughs> yeah, and you referenced it, the Edinburgh yeah, Christian Magazine. In the Edinburgh yes. Christian Magazine, uh, citing a certain Mr. Birch, whose full identity is not given in this essay. John Birch? No, definitely not John Birch. <laughs> <laughs> Conservative uh, for his time, but not John Birch. Yeah, what was the what was the quote there? It's from 1857. Did not Paul say to Timothy that abolitionists did not preach the true doctrine of Christianity? Oh no, um, never mind. Did not Paul pass the Fugitive Slave Act when he sent back his slave to Philemon? So this is Paul figuratively passing his own Fugitive Slave Act. <laughs> I think I think that's an adequate characterization of it. Of course, the author of the Edinburgh Christian Magazine does not agree, but uh, you know he's a progressive. Oh, he's just quoting someone. He's quoting someone for the sake of refuting him, which he does oh, okay. a few in the in the following paragraphs. So yeah, so you can work both sides. Yeah, but yeah, but the point is that uh, yes, in fact, Christians from the South did quote Philemon when they were making their case for pro-slavery. That's why the Bible is useless. That is why the Bible is useless. There is nothing in the Bible that you couldn't quote that somebody would be like, no, that's not what it really means. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I quoted something about, about Jesus' admonitions about prayer, and it started a big Facebook flame war with a bunch of Christians saying, no, <laughs> he didn't mean that. <laughs> Jesus unequivocally condemned public prayer, but, you know, Tim Tebow is cool because there's a loophole somehow. Oh, yeah. Tim Tebow is not they can cool. just say some other book that says some contradictory thing because none of these books line up. That's Philemon's only a chapter long. Yep, please yep. take. On behalf of the Oklahoma Atheist Godcast, this is Paul. This is Damien. 
Zaddy. Let's find the bond. Wishing you all a blessed week. Bye bye. Free Philemon. <laughs>